My first rifle was a 243. Papa gave daddy and daddy gave to me. And they tell me how to shoot with a steady hand. Here we are for another episode of All American Wing Shooting with my special friend who's been my mentor from the very beginning, Steve Schaefer. Hello. I don't even know where to start because you're involved in so many things that I can't even give a title. Well, let's let's just start with this. I knew Anna V before Anna V knew who Anna V was. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't even Anna V then. I don't think so. I've known yeah. you a long time. It seems like a long time. It hasn't really been that long, but it seems like a long time in a good way, yeah. not a bad way. I know we've done so many fun things together. And, and so I love the story of how we met because I was lost. And, and it's funny because before we hit record, we were talking about JC and all this opportunity. Now she makes us crazy about what decision should I make? And she asked so many um, questions to you on how to navigate the outdoors because of all of your friends and your network so that, you know, you understand what her heart is and her skill sets. And so she wants to make the right decision. I did the same thing to you and just made you crazy. So you're welcome for a second round. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah. Okay. So the way we met was I had come on with CZ to start shooting shotguns and learning everything because I was so green I mean I could shoot but I didn't know much about guns or anything and, and CZ taught me so much about that aspect and I'm so grateful for that time there but shot show the first year was brutal for me as a shotgunner I didn't give a rip about being in Vegas I hate Vegas I have a migraine the whole time I'm there from walking through a casino and the group of guys that travel with Dave Miller are characters, but they're in bed by eight. <laughs> you know, yep, it's just yep. like, um, I'm like, this is not where the people like me are. And, and I was maybe even with a negative attitude at it because I just was like, I'm the only female in our group. Like it was just like, I, I was lost. Yep. And you came to hang out and you said, well, I think I'm going to go to this bourbon tasting. I literally barely knew your name. And I was like, I don't know about that, but I love bourbon. So I'm going to just get, <laughs> I'm going with this guy. <laughs> shyness. What, what, what does shyness get you? Nothing. Nothing. So I literally just said, so yeah, I think I'll just go with you tonight and go bourbon. And you're like, yeah, okay. And then I was like, he's a stranger. I don't even know who this person is. And I remember asking Miller, I'm like, he's not a creep, right? Because I just totally invited myself to tag along with him. <laughs> and, Miller's um, like, I don't know. I don't know him either. <laughs> it was so funny because we went to that party and T-Bone was there and, and um, Shane was there. Shane Durant, yeah. the photographer. I knew all these people there and I was like, Oh, I've just been standing in the wrong corner the whole time. My people are here. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That was a fun night. That was so much fun. You remember the name of that place? Where? In Vegas? That we went for the bourbon tasting? No. We're gonna give it, up. Well, here, you'll have to send them a bill after this, but the Yardbird Cafe. The Yardbird, yes. I mean, <laughs> what better place? Chicken and bourbon. <laughs> I know, well, I just remember like there was taxidermy going on and you oh, know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was just overwhelmed with just the fact that I showed up and that I knew people from home. 
<laughs> well, and the, the crazy thing is you think about that with SHOT Show, how big it is. I mean, yeah. it's, I mean, it's enormous. I forget, I don't know how many times I've been. I've still never made it all the way through. I mean, just if you were to just start at the bottom, you know, or over in law enforcement and work your way up, you can't do it. it it's because you run into so many people, you know, right. So that ends up and then this happens and then the next, but it's, but it always ends really well. And you meet, you know, 20 new people that you become friends with. And I think that's what's so great about this industry in general is that just like this, this friendship. So that started and it just grows now, yep. JC. And I guess one day it'll be tater bug before I get too old. I'm going to get a call from bird dog tater. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and you know i was like man this must run in the family or something what's so, up with you? well the cool thing is is if if people that are listening if they've listened to previous episodes every episode every person i've talked to has played some type of role in my journey i don't know that i've talked with anybody besides demas which you're very familiar with who that is yeah. um that has played a bigger role in my navigation through the industry than you have so the, we have a million stories, but my point is, is that the people that are listening and I tell them all the time, like, if you're only involved during the hunting season, you're missing out on the best parts. Oh, yeah. Oh, hunting season is like, it's the icing on the cake. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's all the rest. I mean, you know, that's like going on a trip. What's, I mean, half the fun of going on a trip is the planning it and is getting it ready and getting the new stuff that you need or realizing that you have too much stuff and getting to that point. It's the same with this. You're right. Or just meeting your buddies or friends or family on vacation and the anticipation of oh, yeah. building to get there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 You're right. That's a great way to put it. Is it is. It's, it, well, it might be the best part. It might be. Yeah. I mean, think about it because so anybody, I tell people this all the time, you think about your best hunting memories or fishing memories or camping. It's normally when something went wrong or it was a bad trip from the standpoint that you didn't do whatever you were supposed to do. Those oh are the God. most memorable. Okay. So we're jumping the gun way far ahead. Cause I do want to talk about all the things that you've done and, and how instrumental you've been in our life because of who you are. But this morning, I took the, the girls, Mercy and Dolly, the short hairs, on a hike up the mountain by myself for the very first time, which is a big deal because we've been all over the country, but we've never been out west. We've never just parked the truck and just just made our trail, right? Yeah. So um, it was so hot. It was so hot, and I thought they would be okay, and I wasn't really going to push them. And, I mean, we weren't gone 30 minutes, but Dolly – I'm like, you're so tough until the heat hits. Like she just yep. can't handle it, you know? And um, so I got back to the truck and, and somebody walked down to the barn and was chatting with me. And I told them about, my gosh, like I've got to put this dog in bubble wrap because it's Tater's dog. <laughs> and, I, and all I could remember is the time we were in Nebraska and I lost her. Yeah. Another rookie mistake, not having a GPS system on a short hair with all those rolling hills and I remember I mean, that very well. I did have a training collar on her, but when the wind's blowing, CRP's high, you've got hills going, and they top the hill before you, and they get turned around, and the wind's blowing, and they can't hear you, and it's a disaster, and until you've been in that situation, you really just don't know how to plan for it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that the only reason I got her back is because I just started pulling the trigger. I'm like, that dog's going to come if she hears the gun. 
I mean, she was only you know, like I forgot about old. that. You did. You started. I was like, I remember is... thinking, what is she doing? What? I'm getting the my dog, dog, dog back. back. I mean, they, I'm getting my dog did. back now. <laughs> I was almost <laughs> in tears. <laughs> I think you were. There might have been a few that came uh, down that you were you were putting off the sweat, but we, we, like, we weren't working that hard then. Geez. No, it does. I mean, but that's part of the whole. I mean, that's part of the whole thing. You realize after a while you have dogs, I mean, then, then, you know, they're coming back. I mean, it, it, it might, it might be a few hours, but they're going to come back to that last place. We didn't have there. a few hours and I was like, mm -mm. <laughs> so now I'm a helicopter mom with the dogs and JC says, oh. you care more about those dogs than you do me. I'm like, listen, I ain't answering to y'all for losing dogs. That ain't going to happen. Well, you know, sometimes depending on the way the kids act, that's true. <laughs> you do like the dogs <laughs> better than the kids. Yeah. So how we even like i mean we come from the same set of family standards i mean like we really have so much in common and, and that's how you just kind of became part of our family like you've got personal relationships with my kids my parents like you you yeah. horse showed with us i mean that's you've got right. a lot of things <laughs> so um you know and it's been really cool because you have boys and that was a whole different life but my girls just took to you with your leadership with pheasants forever and quill forever because that organization has meant so much to us for what they offer youth yeah right yeah they do a and, great job and you funded <laughs> those youth programs and we're so very grateful for you <laughs> well i mean somebody has to do it you know it's like the government doesn't give these organizations funds for them to create opportunity for education and outreach and you know continuing tradition and you know it does that money's not free it comes from people whose hearts are totally committed to the outdoors yeah well i think the natural progression for any outdoors person let's just say and to me this this covers the gamut of kind of anything outdoor and my my outdoor experiences are hunting fishing and camping I mean, that's if I'm not, I'm doing one of those all the time. You're in the Being that I'm right in now. Florida, I don't camp in the summertime like those crazy people up north. When they'd say, we're going camping. It's like, it's July. Do you realize that? Well, yep. if you're up north, it's great. Not in Florida. So, but I think kind of that natural progression is that to your point about opportunities. Um, I think we're all responsible for creating those opportunities. So I grew up in it. My dad... I don't ever remember us doing anything but those things. <clears throat> I mean, our vacation, we went to North Carolina and backpacked. And I'm like, well, okay, those were our vacations. Those were the kind of things that we did. So as I got older, you know, out from under my dad's wing, and, and unfortunately, he's past the age of being able to really get after it anymore. So he, but he, he still lives vicariously through me and my boys, mm -hmm. but that kind of led into thing. And, and you've been there, you get into this mode of when you're hunting or fishing, it's, you got to shoot everything and you got to catch everything. And I mean, <laughs> yeah. you're dead serious about it and don't get my way. Right. But then at some point there becomes this, there should come this transition where you say, Hey, this has been incredible, but you start looking around, how did all this happen? Where did this come from? Who's responsible for this? Hey, I got to keep this going. And then, mm -hmm. you know, and anyone with kids really knows you want to be able to pass that on to your kids and have them experience the same things. So that's kind of what really got me involved in, in the outdoors was always a part of my life. That that's nothing new. Right. Having, bringing other people along to enjoy that same thing that I do to have the passion for it 
not only the passion for it, but the passion to conserve it, to make sure that it's around for future generations. That's what really started driving me. So I remember thinking I was actually, and you know, I don't deer hunt a whole lot, but I was sitting in a deer stand watching a couple deer. And I, I remember thinking, man, I really want my kids and their friends to be able to experience this. So my kids have grown up doing the same thing. They know camping, hunting, and fishing. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of made that transition and I got involved with a conservation organization. I said, it's time for me to give back. And that's, and I mean, and I got in, when I went in, I dove in head first. <laughs> I should have rethought that some, <laughs> but um, it was a great experience. I met so many new people that were like-minded. So where did you start? Was it NWTF? I, I started with NWTF. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, it was just a local chapter and, you know, I'm a, passionate about turkey hunting and so were my kids and got involved and it's like huh this is pretty good so not too long after that I kind of have a tendency to work my way into places and (laughs) I I I like my ideas a whole lot and I think other people should like them too (laughs) so (laughs) I started running that and we actually developed an incredible chapter I mean we were sending a lot of money um into the national organization and um you know hey look I don't you can't quote me on these numbers. Now I'm putting this out there in the um, whole world to hear. Yeah. But I think the National Wild Turkey Federation was one of only two or three national organizations to ever actually accomplish the goal they set out to do, which was restore the wild turkey. I mean, you've seen the news programs. There's downtown Boston. There's these turkeys attacking people and things. Yeah. And I mean, but that's all over the whole country now. And they met that goal. And then they were like, what do we do now? we're kind of, we got to rethink this. And they never, I, I guess, I mean, they didn't really have the next phase mapped out. Um, and great organization, wonderful organization. And they're going back through that now. If you've seen, if you watch the news, outdoor news, they're having some, the turkeys are in decline right now. So, you know, hopefully the NWTF is going to be able to really um, ramp up again and, and solve that problem for us. But at, it was about that time that, uh, you know, I mean, how many banquets can you do and raise money to reestablish the wild turkey when people are going like, hey, man, do you see that in the driveway, those turkeys right there? <laughs> we don't need any more of them. And we yeah. do, we need all of them. But um, so that's how I got kind of rolled over into quail forever. Again, kind of the same way. I grew up with my dad. I mean, we literally, where I grew up, just drive down the road, an F-100, pull off the side of the road. There were no fences or anything else. Throw the dogs out. And dad'd be like, this looks like good habitat. Throw the <laughs> dogs out and hunt. You didn't know whose land you were hunting on or anything else because there weren't fences. There weren't no trespassing signs. And I can remember when that ended. Uh, I can remember when the fence is going up and all these mm-hmm. things. And I grew up in West Central Florida where quail Mecca, I mean, it was unbelievable. And that's when it really hit me. It's like, hey, this stuff disappears. If there's not someone here to take care of it, it's going to be gone. So that's what started my involvement in quail and pheasants forever. And actually, I think I was a member of pheasants forever before quail forever. And again, back to the the deep end of the pool and just diving in, it kind of this leads to how I met you was I remember just looking up and said, hey, they've got a annual meeting or a convention in Kansas City. I'm going. I didn't know a soul. I love that. And ended up meeting uh, John Lee and. A um, couple other guys and just, you know, then Rich Wissink at that show and just yeah. became fast friends with so many of them. They got to come on the podcast. John is. 
I oh, yeah. Paul Rich. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, those would be two great ones for you. Absolutely. Rich has Rich has such an incredible wealth of knowledge of bird hunting. It's just unbelievable. That guy, I mean, we call him the grouse whisperer. If there's a rough grouse or a sharp-tailed grouse to be found, that guy will find it. But anyway, so that, you know, I got in there and then that kind of really hit that point in my soul where I said, this is really, this is it. This is where I really fit. It's the lifestyle. I love dogs. I love upland hunting because you can so talk family to each other. Oriented. Yeah. And, and friends. I mean, it, it's a great yeah. place for friends and family to do their thing. So that's kind of, that's what got me involved in the whole, whole piece. And it just, like I said, it goes back to, you go through that transition of life of saying, I've enjoyed this so much that I want other people to be able to enjoy it. And so my boys are into it. I mean, they're hook, line, and sinker. We, this is a little side note for you. Uh, oh, I don't know, two, three weeks ago. Might have been, I, I'm terrible about time. It might have been five months ago. We were just <laughs> talking. Um, it was after, it was during turkey season. So we were talking and we started adding up. And, and I, I, I want everybody to know this is not a, you know, pat on the back kind of thing or a, a being conceited or anything. It's just, we were counting up the number of their friends that have never hunted or never fished that now are legitimate license holders in fishing, hunting, and shooting sports. Right. Between those two, it's 27. And I thought wow. that is incredible. And <clears throat> so we were counting up some other things and like, I think 11 of Grady's friends had shot their first, harvested their first deer with him. Nate had about equivalent with friends with turkeys and ducks and that kind of thing. And I'm like, you know, this is what it's about because now my work with my kids making sure they're set they've carried it on to those 27 where will that lead i have no idea i'd like to be able to track that oh my gosh i don't know that you can i don't know especially with the kids that you've also mentored i mean jc's one of them there's so emma there's so many kids through nylc that you've mentored that still stay in touch with you and stay committed to the industry because of your influence yeah. Well, thank you. Yes. Well, and that's, so that kind of leads to the next piece of it is that once you kind of got your own family rolling, it's what what's next? Well, it's friends. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think that where it rolled into you and I met and it's yeah. like, well, here's somebody that's passionate about it. Um, she wants to do it. She doesn't know quite which direction to go. I still wonder that sometimes. Oh, come on. <laughs> Listen, I, mean, I was, I still had, I had my dogs ready and the dog box and I was, I was set, but I'd not been really out of the Southeast. Okay, but wait a minute. Before you get too far along this, what? I just want to remind somebody of their hashtag, short hair snob. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we and, talk and, about that all day long. Oh, I and love then that. the conversation we had one time about like, nobody, there's no dog as good as a short hair and everything else. Oh. I'm like, Anna, you better hold on there. Says, and then the next the thing guy. I know, somebody owns a lab. I know. And it was so funny because I started with DU and, and they're the ones that got me picking up a shotgun. I don't think I would have ever done it if they hadn't have kind of volunteered me. Yeah. You know, one time I, I saw that I was hosting an event that nobody even asked me if I was available to be at for the upcoming sheriff. And, <laughs> and I found out through the mail because I got the postcard. Yeah, there you so, go. <clears throat> so those DU boys, they just said, Hey, listen, we're going to use her for our mission. And I never said, no, I just showed up. And so um, because of them, I ended up in South Dakota. And if I had not left Georgia, I I probably would have never have needed another dog. But yeah. 
um, I'm so grateful. And so, you know, I use, I switched that hashtag to happy hypocrite. I am like the happiest <laughs> hypocrite in the world. <laughs> Do you remember the whole conversation about that? Was it a, uh, I can't remember if it was a Boykin Spaniel or, uh, uh what was that you were going to get when you were in Nebraska, you kept on, he's like, he's having no. a litter. Do I get one? No, it was the cocker. It was Randy Black. Spaniel. Yeah. It, we were filming Gundog TV. Yeah. And here I was like, I'm never going to have anything but a pointer, blah, blah, blah. And here we're chasing pheasants. And I'm watching I'm watching Rosie, his famous cocker on the show, yeah. just take a nosedive into like three <laughs> feet of snow. I mean, we're in a blizzard, massive blizzard. We can't even get out there. We're waiting on the, the snow to quit blowing sideways. <laughs> Filming in this, I'm like, not one camera guy gets paid enough for this garbage. Like, we're just a bunch of crazy psycho fools out here. Yep, yep. We so are. Rose, yeah, Rosie is like dancing on top of that snow and then serious nosedive down. She hits those rooster tunnels and she's down through there. And then all of a sudden, birds just pop up through the snow. I'm like, whatever that is, I want one. I want that. <laughs> I want that. And so Randy's like, well, here, you can have this puppy. I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't need yeah. a dog. Yeah. And the timing was really bad. So I didn't keep it. I just kept it while we were out there. It's the whole thing. It was uh, so much fun. It was, it was really cool to watch that little bitty dog just. Oh, they're awesome. Turn into a maniac, you know. I mean, they're they're great. They're great dogs. But it's the whole thing. Never say never. I love this topic because, especially when you get your first bird dog, you you are so obsessed with that breed and just like sold out to it. And and I I love I love that. And going to Pheasant Fest is the best because every breed is represented and it's like clubs. You know, yeah. it's like sorority row of dogs. Oh yeah, oh yeah. yeah. All down those three or four it's aisles. So it's great. It it's is wonderful. so fun. Yeah. Hey, well you got it. You have to make sure that you uh, block it out to go this year or next year because it's the uh, 40th anniversary. It's the culmination of our five hundred million dollar campaign. Um uh, in the February of 2023. No. Yeah. March, 2023. And, um, but I've heard that, you know, when they do the bird dog parade and there's like mm-hmm. 176 breeds or some crazy number, apparently they're all going to be represented. In oh the my gosh. I mean, because that's the super cool thing. And that's something special that this, this conservation organization does is it's the, the opening ceremonies of, oh yeah of convention is um bob gets his orange suit on yep and stands up on the stage and gives the whole speech and gets everybody so pumped up everybody there's orange with a dog on the lead it's just oh, like heck the yeah. best place ever and and one year they let taterbug be the grand marshal so she yep. went across there with um with the big pheasant and uh and then all these kids and parents and hunters that have hunted for 50 years represent dog breeds and walk through a parade and everybody comes just for that ceremony to stand there and watch all the dogs go through and just cheer yeah <laughs> and I, i'm still amazed that some of the breeds i'm like i didn't even know that breed existed yeah. i mean this this past year i'm watching it and I'm like huh, i got i got to track that person down and find out what kind of dog that is it, it is it's the craziest thing but it is so I, much fun to see that out of all the conventions I've been to, because I was at NWTF this past year, I think that Pheasant Fest is the one that where you talk to more strangers than you ever thought about talking to ever. Because somehow you just, it's the dogs. Like you just strike up conversations and you leave with new friends, and then everybody hangs out at the bar till the sun comes up in the hotel bar because 
it is literally like a family reunion and it is the most oh, special yeah. event oh, in I the think hunting so. industry that I've experienced because I think it's because of the dogs. I, do I, I really do. I mean, you realize I, I always have this uh, saying whenever I do any talk or something at one of the events and such, you know, where else can you get, you know, 40,000 people together that love shotguns, dogs, and shooting flying things. I mean, and it's the dogs that it, it brings everybody together because there's all the rivalries. Oh, my breed is better than yours. And you know, you oh, got yeah. the, the lesser of this or the greater of that one. And they think they fight amongst themselves all in good nature, but it's so yeah. much fun. And, and I, I think that's the deal though. It's the dogs because anytime, I mean, think about any other hunting with the, with the exception of duck hunting, I think I'm right. I mean, you're doing it kind of mostly by yourself. Or with the hounds, but I don't think that the houndsmen have the organizations that we have. No, no. And and think about what they do with those. I mean, they're a lot of fun. I mean, I know you've yeah. been on a bear hunt. I have and, and with the hounds. But, you know, those dogs, you listen to them. But you don't ever see them until they tree whatever or get something. And, and they're and that's usually the thing not about, cuddled up at the bed. No, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing with upland hunting. You're sitting there watching your dog work back and forth the whole time. You see it. Right. And well, most of the time, unless your dog runs off, right? Okay, we can move on. <laughs> Hey, it, that I remember one time I had had this. You you remember this dog, that Llewellyn Setter, beautiful yep. dog. Yeah, and it was the first Setter that I had, and I was in Wisconsin, and that dog did phenomenal on the woodcock and rough grouse. I was so pumped. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna talk some smack now. So I had to fly home. I left the dog there with Chad Bloom. Yeah, um, I love Chad Bloom. And if then, y'all don't and, know Chad Bloom, he is the biggest party in the whole entire Upland community. He, he's actually working for uh, Rough Grouse Society now. He oh, just awesome. work for them. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, I left it. I left the dog with Chad because I was going to South Dakota, so I had to fly home for a week. Flew back out, picked my dog up, and man, I, I'm so pumped. I mean, this dog is is good. Because you remember, my other two died. Yeah. Just before that. So it's like going into birdseeds with no dog. And and uh, I get out there and I'm there's 19, 20, I don't know how many guys out there, all with their labs. And I'm looking down and just kind of laughing. I'm like, look at all you people with your labs. You need a pointer. I'm talking the smack. Everybody lets their dog go. <clears throat> the last I saw, my dog was 300 yards. I'm looking <laughs> at it on the GPS. But the way you could tell where Trooper was, was you could see the pheasants just flying just busting 300 yards out the guy that owned the place calls me over he says think you get that dog back and i'm like mm -hmm, not right now <laughs> the dog was going it got about a mile out finally came back busted pheasant all the way back he said you get that dog on a leash and you go to the end of the line and don't oh let that dog off the leash. <laughs> humility comes in all forms and fashions i know and and this is the coin toss of those dogs too but now we're talking about my love for labs I have only hunted labs and Dolly. Dolly's the only pointer in the grouse woods. And I've been very successful with labs in the grouse woods. I, I've, funny thing is, is I've never, cause you know, all the guys I hunt with, they're all pointer guys. I mean, mm -hmm. and, and of course we all fight amongst ourselves. There's short hairs, there's English, there's the English setters, English pointers. Um, some guy came up with some dog. I don't even know what it was and did great, but I've never <laughs> seen a lab in the, in the woodcock grouse woods. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I understand that'd be great because there's a lot of brush bus busting that goes on. Mm, yeah, doing and they, they're know. close hunters, you know, especially like our tournament dogs that are, I mean, they are ranged to be so yeah. short. Right. So 
Yeah, I know. My poor littles. She's got to be an all-arounder. I'm going to ship her off to duck camp soon. I'm like, we're not stopping anywhere. We're going to master it all. Hey, why not? You got one versatile dog, right? I know. I got all kinds of dogs, but I'm down to four. Down to four now? I'm down to four. Possibly just may stick with three. Okay. Yeah. I've I've got two now, and I'm just staying with two until I figure out what I'm going to do when I grow up. I know. Oh, let's talk about how you got to where you are. I'm serious. Like, well, that's that's actually you've we done kind of lobbying. touched on it before. Yeah, that's, but you've done lobbying. You've been on so many things. You're sitting on the board with PFQF. Are you? Are you still on the board? No, no, I'm not on the board. I um, I'm their chairman for the national the Call of the Uplands campaign, which is the national campaign to raise 500 million um, for habitat. So that's where all the money goes to do habitat projects. We've got, I think, 400 identified habitat projects through the country. And that ranges everything from down in South Florida for quail to um, the Northwest for uh, pheasant and some, we've got some grouse initiatives going with sage grouse, with the what Colombian sharptail grouse, mm-hmm. uh, with several things. So it's kind of projects all over the place, which is really exciting because, I mean, it, it's, it's we're, we're, we're getting close to our goal and we'll meet it. Um, but it's been a lot of fun. So, so how did I get, so no, so I'm not on the board. I, to me, this position was, I said, you can't divide it up. Um, they, they've been very kind and have asked me and I said, you can't do both. I mean, this, yeah. this job, you got, I got to stay focused on it and it ends next February. Thank goodness. It's been, <laughs> it's been a, it's been a blast. I've met, as you said earlier, I've met so many incredible people through doing this that just a passion to see the grasslands saved to see you know quail saved to see pheasant just all these things so it's been a lot of fun but um wow so well start i mean my dad hunting fishing that uh, i mean i have to attribute everything back to him Mm -hmm. um and then um my degree was from florida state university in public relations and english because i had a mentor who told me, he said, Steve, he said, um, what do you like to do? And I'm like, well, I like to talk and write. And he said, well, then get a degree in English and public relations and minor in speech or something like that. And he said, whoever hires you is going to train you to do what they want you to do anyway. So while I was doing that, um, the Flor- Florida was going through at that point, uh, debate legislation on the lottery. Do we do the lottery for education? So I was working for the Florida Chamber of Commerce at the time. I was an intern and they, um, the president, the volunteer president of the organization was flying over. He was supposed to give a speech to the appropriations committee about the lottery and why we were supporting it for education and all that good stuff. Well, his plane got fogged in. So the two lobbyists for the chamber, were all in a meeting and they were like, okay, who are we going to get to do this? Who's going to read the speech? Who's going to, uh, they're just going back and forth about it all. And Ted Granger, one of the lobbyists looks and he goes like, Oh, we should get Steve to do it. He wrote the speech. He knows everything about it. And he's, <laughs> and he's a student at Florida State. And I'm like, you know, I'm, yeah, too, you're the student I'm too dumb intern. to know what they're really saying. <laughs> and I was like, sure, I'll do it. So TK Weatherall, who was a former president of Florida State University, he was the appropriations chair. He was a, uh, a legislator out of Daytona Beach, Florida. And I got up and he, I mean, 
I was nervous. I mean, yeah, all this stuff going on and, and, you know, I'm not normally nervous when it comes to time to talk. I can say, so I got up and I'm like, Oh my gosh, what if these guys ask me some question that I don't know the answer to? And their guys are, you know, if you do that happen to say, I don't know the answer to that, but I'll get back with you, you know, as soon as I can. So TK Weatherall, he says, so today we got, you know, from Florida Chamber of Commerce, Steve Schaefer speaking um, in favor of the lottery bill. And he said, Mr. Schaefer, you've got your five minutes. So I get up and I give my speech and about halfway through, he stops me. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm going down in flames. <laughs> he, said, uh, he stopped me, he said, you know, to the other legislators, he said, I hope you guys realize what's happening here right now. We've got a young man that's in school and he's here speaking in front of all of us who are supposed to be the important people and the leaders in our community and telling us to get off of our butts and get this thing passed because we need it for education. And he said, and I'm assuming that as soon as he's finished, he's going to get a very favorable response from every member in here. Right. And, it, and then I'm thinking, then it's kind of hitting me. I'm like, Oh, he's throwing me softballs now. <laughs> so I finished my speech. There were other speakers and stuff and, and bill passes and, you know, it went on to become law for uh, Florida no matter how you feel about the lottery, it was kind of a fun thing and it was an experience, but that led me into, it's like, Hey, this is kind of fun. Yeah. But then I, I lobbied for uh, substance abuse treatment facilities, mental health facilities. I was, I'd always been in politics. Mm. I was actually um, elected to public office one time in Wakulla County, Florida as the Rep Republican state committeeman. I won my first election 98 to 93. Wow. So, um, so I really enjoyed that and got into it. And actually that led me to, as I was doing all of that and just kind of looking, seeing opportunities and things where they existed, I was like, you know, I really don't like working for anybody. I, I, I've got to do something on my own. And so I was lobbying and that's when this whole thing, the internet was coming on the scene. And, um, I had a group of doctors say, Hey, can you do anything with this? And I like, can, because doctors, they typically try will call you after 7 p.m. to get information from you. <clears throat> Excuse me. So we developed a bulletin board, online bulletin board. They could log into it, get all yeah. the information they needed about the legislative events, blah, blah, blah. We rolled it out. Great success. Wonderful. Yeehaw. Aren't you great? Well, then one of the doctors says, what about this thing called the internet? Can you do it on there so we don't have to dial in and all this stuff? And me, I was like, sure. <laughs> no clue at all. So I went and, uh, I said, this is a business opportunity. So I put my notice in. I went to then Sprint Corporation, um, who did all the phone service in Florida, cut a deal with them to do statewide internet access for associations and built websites. And that, I mean, it was before anybody was doing them. And some people were like, what, huh, what, what are you doing? And I explained it. And, you know, well, of course it grew and went really well. And that business led into several others. There was a continuing education business online that we did live. We actually were the first ones ever to do live continuing education online. And then there was a medical supply business and it wasn't, you know, one thing after. Yeah. So, but all that's like a, a, a means to an end, I guess, is that that provided the funding to be able to do what I really like to do. Yeah. And that's not in fish <laughs> and, and go to uh, banquets and, and meet great people like you. And that's what really drives me. So there's other things I do them because, well, what's the opportunity? So as I did all that, that's how actually I met some people that got me involved in the National Wild Turkey Federation. And through that, I was like, well, I did some websites for them and things. And kind of one thing led to another and ended up um, where I am now. That's the oh. <laughs> nutshell version. 
no wonder when I was trying to figure out how I was going to stair step my way to my end goal. You're like, don't even worry about it. And, and I'm so grateful because you're right. Like you recognized I had a very similar heart than you did. And so you knew how to coach me. And I, I say this all the time is that there's nothing special about me or my story. I just never said no. I always said yes. And you've done the exact same thing. That's why you've impacted so many people's lives because you have the experiences, which seems like a rabbit trail. But in the end, when you get to that place that you're going, every step meant something. It played yeah. a part. It, it, it was a connector, a bridge builder to somebody that needed you and needed like your, what you had to offer. Well, yes, that's, that's a great way to uh, summarize it. And I, I think there's the part of you that the passion part that when you're passionate about something, you want other people to experience that. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of a natural um, course, so to speak, natural path to go like, Hey, I'm walking down this path and I don't know all the answers. I don't know anything about this. I don't know anything about that. I know about this, mm -hmm. but here, let me just grab you by the shirt and drag you along. And then okay. you drag them far enough. And then they oh. say, Oh man, this is awesome. Let me grab a couple of people and drag them as well. Yes. So that's you, you hit me at a point when I met you at first shot show, I'm like, things were kind of in transition for me. I was doing a lot of different stuff then. And I was like, Hey, cool. Let's drag her along too. Yeah. And oh, by the way, she got two great kids. Let's drag them along too. Let's so, drag mom and dad along. <laughs> exactly. That's where I was going. So yeah, JC served on the NYLC. Yep. She is so excited now to see um, how those years played a role in her life and who she is and her, because Rich Wisnick was her person. He was their leader. So yeah. our, our group, our friend group, I'm so grateful for them because they like, you guys are the ones that helped me raise my kids. And so that, um, the group of kids that were on that, that board together, they're still buddies. Like JC oh, yeah. just yeah. went out with Emma and I know they, they tagged um, yeah. PFQF and all that yeah. on their fishing trip and stuff. And it's really yeah. cool. These kids are going out by themselves in the ocean, tackling fishing. I'm like, oh, yeah. well, Nate, cause Nate was on, I forget what years he was on. That's my youngest son. And for those that don't know, the, Na the NYLC is the national youth, national youth leadership uh, conference. Council. Council, council, yeah, council. council. Yeah. And oh, and and we got to come back to that because it's changing and it's okay. changing for the better. Oh, it I'm, is. I'm really we, excited um, about what's going to happen with it. We need um, to talk about it because Marissa came on and she told her story and she announced oh, it. But yes. there's one other thing you get, you talk about Nate and then we have to talk about my parents. I can't forget. Oh, no, that. well, no, I'm just, <laughs> Nate's the same way because he stays in contact with all the people he was on the uh, council with. And he's, you know, last year I was headed out west and he hitched a ride with me to Kansas. I dropped him off with a bunch of those guys. They all duck hunted. And so it did. It's an it's an incredible program. But again, it's getting them all and they're dragging everyone along with them. So, yeah. So back to dragging mom and dad along. <laughs> they still so, don't know what's going on. <laughs> no, we talk about every episode I talk about somebody's connected to an organization and it's impacted their family. And their family, and now their friends are everybody that's part of the organization. I feel very redundant, but I I literally cannot stress how much fun this is to have your friends share this passion and make these massive differences in the world, and everybody spread out across the country. But you still yeah. feel like your neighbors. Oh, you know, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. a really cool it's a really cool concept to live life like this. But okay, so I haven't talked about my parents very much. Um. Needless to say, I, I don't think they have any idea what I'm doing still to this day. Um, 
their attitude well, about it I mean. their attitude about it has definitely changed because my mom in the beginning was like people would say oh where's anna now because they might follow me on social media she was so anti-social media and and so people she'd be like i don't know somewhere with those dogs shooting her gun you know i mean that's all she'd say and i'm like yeah mom, that sounds so bad. Like you don't support me like trailblazing for the outdoors and sharing about women's place. Cause she was a hunter and she was a deer hunter. Like, I I don't know. I'd get so frustrated about it or whatever. So HD used to deer hunt too. Knows nothing about the dogs. The dogs, all he says, they stink, get them dirty. Right. Yep. Now they have a dog living in their house. However, you know, stories have changed now, but for a long time, they were just, standing on the sidelines watching chaos that they didn't understand and i hated it because my parents are a heck of a good time and i wanted them to go and have fun and i knew they would enjoy the lodge life my mom's so social my dad appreciates the craftsmanship of the shotguns and he would appreciate the training techniques with the dogs and the investment and just the the lodges themselves and the you know and the family traditions there with the owners and i mean like they would love the culture if they would get over the fact that they're not a hunter. And yeah. so I drugged them to Pheasant Fest that year because yep. JC was involved. Taterbug was doing big things. I know they didn't give a rip what I had to do. And um, and I'm like, they're going to figure this out. They're going to see all, all the things they miss when they are at home with their little attitude, you know. So it was hilarious because we sat at your table for the banquet yeah. night, which was on the very front row. Put yep. my put my Baptist backseat parents, back pew row parents on the front row with like three thousand people in one room, and uh, and they hate you know doing things outside their box. Well, we couldn't have put them in the deep end of the pool any more than what we did. Yeah, they did get tossed in for sure. Oh my God, with the Kaisers, and oh my gosh, and it, it couldn't have been more perfect. Well, that whole weekend, my mom's like, I just can't believe people like know your name and they know who the kids are. I'm like, what do you think we've been doing for all these years when I'm not home? (laughs) And I don't know. It was just hilarious to watch them come um, to just a realization that what we do matters and the fact that it takes commitment. You know, I was the keynote speaker for women on the wing for the first kickoff and they got to be there and they got to hear my story about them being supportive parents and allowing me opportunities and you know so what if i skipped school one day and went hunting like i really wasn't in trouble and yeah you know cool stuff like that they were there and so the the it started clicking with them because they didn't connect with the dog and they didn't connect with the hunting but they connected with the community and before i knew it my dad stands up like at the altar call the banquet at the pf yeah Yeah. (laughs) and joins as a lifetime member and he had been hunting with me one time. Yeah. One time I took him to a preserve. It was raining. It was the worst situation. Birds wouldn't fly and all this stuff. But I will never forget being like, I didn't ask him to do that. And and he wouldn't have given that much money away if he didn't believe in the cause. Right. And, and so my dad stands up and joins as a lifetime member. And then you've got my mom going around talking to strangers asking for That's money right. to raise money Selling for the youth. And- I'm like, my mom is forgot about that. not a ticket girl. But you know what happened? She's a grandma. And she saw all those kids yeah. and how happy those kids were. And they were so grateful. And they gave everything they had. They were serious about their commitment to the board and um, about what PFQF does for them. And she's like, 
I don't care what it is, Schaefer, you just tell me what to do because I'm here for the kids. Yep. Yep. And you know what? That's exactly what she said to me. But you know, Anna, that's a great point. And I'll tell you what, I, people ask me all the time, kind of what's my story? How did I get involved? And you always go back to my dad's honey, but here's something that I never, I've never told anybody is my mom was just as key in that. My mom has never shot a gun. She's never shot anything. She may have been fishing one time last, last year, you know, my dad had cancer Mm -hmm. and he was finishing up his treatments in early September. And I always do my annual trip out to North Dakota and Montana to sharp tail hunt. And I wasn't going to go. And I remember my mom, she was sitting in her easy chair. My dad was, I think, asleep. Um, and, but we had just gotten back from one of his doctor's appointments and she said, you know what, you will pack your truck. You will put those dogs in and you will go on this trip. She said, you're not putting your life on hold for us. But the point was that she's always been that supportive. And that's, that's the thing. Your mom, my mom, there's a role for everyone. And back up Mm -hmm. to what you just said about HD and they love the craftsmanship of a gun. You know, I'm not a big shooter. I go to the range some and shoot. I shoot to be a better hunter, more ethical hunter. And so, you know, yeah, I go shoot some trap and skeet and, and things once in a while, but there are people that absolutely love that. And they don't yeah. care anything about hunting. I have friends that do the whole dog field trial thing. And never. They haven't hunted in years. Yeah. And that's the cool thing about this is that there really is, if you expose someone to it, they, there is something for them somewhere. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like PF and QF right now, they're pushing the, the pollinator program, which has just grown leaps and bounds because people love bees and butterflies and they understand the need stewards of the land. Yeah. With, we don't have those, we're not having food. I mean, it it gets bad, but, but that's the point. Like, and what you've done and what you continue to do is you really bring a a whole nother group of people in that says, Hey, okay. So you don't want to, you don't, you love the dogs. You never necessarily want to shoot. Great. Who cares? Come with me. Go watch the dog. I have people that love to go just watch the dogs. I need you to bring your camera, please. Like (laughs) mama, (laughs) My mom's really like, she was an accountant for forever. Right. Yeah. And she's retired. Now they've started a whole new business and all this stuff. But I'm like, mom, your skills, your money skills is what makes this place turn. Yes. It's what gives us this opportunity. We need you. I don't care if you never pick up another gun again, or if you don't want a nasty, stinky dog in the house, I don't care. Right. But you come with a set of skills. I don't want those. I don't yeah. want to sit in front of a computer. I don't want to push a pencil. I want to be out in the field built like, running dogs and taking people out and, and giving that experience. Yeah. And we so all have a role to play. We all have a role to play. It was awesome. I'll never forget that weekend. We relive it all the time. Yeah. Because, you know, there are people that are listening that are like, well, I got people in my life that don't want to hunt, but I'm telling you, there's something about getting involved with these organizations, finding your place and, and how it enriches your life. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I tell you, I had one of the best experiences earlier this year. I went, um, uh, PFQF has their annual staff meeting and there's 450 people. people most people don't know their the organization is that big. Most of them are biologists in the field. So I had the opportunity to go speak to them. I was the only non-staff person there. And that hit me that the morning I was speaking, I'm sitting there and I'm like, holy moly, I'm the only guy here that's not actual part of this, um, or, you know, a staff member of this organization. 
then I was like, you better get serious about this, you know, really fast. But one of the, one of the, one of the greatest things that I took away from that was the number of young people. And now I'm talking, you know, early twenties, just graduated from school that all are wildlife biologists. There were 200 new ones. So because of COVID, they couldn't do their annual staff meeting the year before. So they were all coming together. I mean, there were people that were actually starting the following Monday. That's how new, but I was amazed at the number of females um, that said, you know, I had never even shot a gun before I took this job. And now I own it. Marissa's story. I own a dog. I own a gun. I can't wait for pheasant season to get here. I can't wait for quail season to get here. And then there, you, you know, follow them on Facebook or Instagram. And they all of a sudden now have their friends out yeah. doing it. And I thought, you know, this is incredible. This is the way it's supposed to work. In light of all the horrible news that we have going on in our country, in our right. world right now, I see things like that and it gives me hope. People like JC, they give me yeah. hope. I'm like, see, this isn't dying away and it's not going down without a fight. I mean, we're going to fight to keep what we have. And I mean that from the standpoint that we're going to, we're going to dig our heels in. We're going to preserve our rights to hunt. We're going to preserve our rights to um, grow more wildlife, (laughs) you know, protect the habitat to do the things that we need to do. And I, and, but it, but it does go back to everybody has a place. Everybody has a role. And just because you don't hunt doesn't mean that you can't be a member of an organization. And I would, I'm going to go so far as to say this, if you hunt or fish or just enjoy the outdoors, if you're not a member now, right now, I want you to be a member of PFQF, but if you're not a member of PFQF ducks, uh, safari NWTF, club, yep, safari NWTF, club. Mm-hmm. coastal conservation association, Trout Unlimited, quail, Unl- I mean, not quail. Oh, God, I can't believe I said that. Um, Delta waterfowl, <laughs> Delta waterfowl, you know, rough grouse society, those, because people have to realize the money that goes there. Most of it's going back in the ground to do habitat. It's to have legislative power to be able to do things, to get laws passed, to get the national grasslands act past, which is another big one coming up that all of us should be paying attention to, but be a member of something, but not only be a member, get involved and do something with it, because that's going to lead you to all these. Think about how many you could, you're in the same boat. I could go to any state in the union right now, or actually in the United States, including Hawaii and Alaska. I have friends there that I could call, Hey, I'm in going to be in Alaska. Yeah. Oh, you got to come stay with us. Are you hunting efficient? Come join us and do it. Because that is the thing about dog people. Yeah. <laughs> they I say, mean, stay with us. Yes. The dog because they understand yeah. you need a place for the dog. Yeah. You need, you got to have all those things. But I mean, that's one of the beauties. That's one of the great benefits that I never even knew about these things that happens with that is that you, you develop this community, you use the word and all of a sudden your mom's a part of it. My mom's a part of it. They don't even know why. But they're in it and they're having a blast doing it. Anybody passing through Georgia, my mom will host you. Yeah, you know, like she (laughs) she is so happy. Um, (laughs) And it's so amazing to see how my parents are so supportive of what I'm doing now. And they're like, whatever, whatever the kids need, whatever, you can't be there. We're going to be there for JC. Everybody's on opposite coasts. And yeah, you know, and it's amazing to do this as a family. But you know, I, I came in this and I didn't know anything. I, I, <laughs> I think I got on my own nerves. Sometimes I was just so excited without any facts, <laughs> you know, and, um, and there's people, stories there for sure. <laughs> and people like took me under their wing and they taught me and they learned and there's enough information to, 
educate yourself so that you don't feel lost. You know, you really just got to have that want to and say yes. And with that, um, things are changing with the educational side of things. And, and PFQF does some of the best at educating their members as to what's going on, how to communicate it, how to get involved. The how-tos are there, the people to hold your hand to get, you know, to set your own personal goals and achieve those. All that's there within that organization. Yeah. But they're doing something super special for kids that you mentioned. And I don't oh. think we can talk about this enough. No, we can't. And and I, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm embarrassed right now because I'm completely blank on the official name of it. But um, me too. Uh, I can't believe really I did that because I, I talk about it all the time. But but the the gist of it, the the 50,000 foot view is so the National Youth Leadership Council has been about 20 um, high school age kids from, you know, some of them as early as middle school, but most of them like ninth grade through seniors. And they've gone through this just whole leadership training um, curriculum, which is, it's incredible. It really is a good one, but they teach them how to speak, you know, in public. Uh, you know, what kind of weed is that? Is that a, you know, good weed? Is it a bad weed? You know, what kind of grasses do the birds? I mean, it's just, it really is an incredible program. And I went every year for five years or so to their oh, summer. We had fun. It was, we had it was so much fun. fun. I learned yeah. so much. Right. So they realized they said, hey, this is great, but it's only great like we're graduating five kids a year. We need to think bigger. And wow. so now they are taking, it's in pilot right now with the current NYLC members. And I think, I think they've added 20 more. So there's this whole curriculum that they start them when they're high school about becoming a wildlife biologist. So they can get certified, they can get extra credit, college credit while they're in high school and things. And there's a university out of North Dakota or South Dakota wrote the curriculum for them. So the goal is, the end game is to try to increase like 200 graduates a year in wildlife biology. And the really interesting- I went in on that. Yeah, me too. The, mm -hmm. the real interesting thing about that is when you, like I was telling you before about going to PFQF staff meeting, when you realize how many young people are coming out of college with a wildlife biology degree and know not the first thing about hunting, not right. the first thing about wildlife as we see it, as we understand that, yes, we spend a lot of money for habitat to grow wildlife that we can harvest. And you and I both know, and probably everyone listening, it's not about the kill. It's never about the kill. It's about the process. It's about getting there. It's about the relationships that we build. It's about the fun of that. The other is icing and the cake and that everyone that I'm ever hunt with are incredibly grateful for that experience. But so now they're going to take all these young people and try to graduate. I think, I think the number is 200 every year to go into wildlife biology. PFQF right now, is the largest employer of wildlife biologists second to the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Man, can you imagine that if, I mean, and everybody has, every organization has a little bit different role, but you know, if ducks hires that many, if turkeys mm -hmm. hires that many, if, you know, rough grouse, all, all these upland people do this. I mean, that's putting a lot of people on the ground that it, it impacts habitat immensely. And to me, this was one of those programs when they told me about it, I was like, I am on board a thousand percent because that moves the needle for what we right. want to do. that education that is key oh it is you do yeah yeah and that's, and that's another like, thing that you know too is that there's so many hunters that just hunt 
And yeah. we need their voice. We need their body. We need them sharing their story, bringing their friends in. It's just, yeah. it's so important for us, especially right now, fighting this battle. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and everyone, everyone that loves the outdoors like that, they have to realize they have to get involved. You can't take the attitude any longer of, oh, well, Anna's doing that. Well, yeah, Anna is doing it. Anna's trying to drag as many people as she can. Yes, Steve's oh, yeah. doing it. He's trying to drag as many people as he can, but we need, what happens if, okay, that's the two of us. What happens if we have, you know, 50 more that haven't been doing it all of a sudden start doing it? You do make a difference. And I, Hey, I know from my years of, as a lobbyist, numbers count. And when legislators go to say, well, hey, we're going to, you know, vote on something, they look at numbers and they say, oh, well, you know, PFQF has, you know, 20,000 members. Um, that's pretty incredible. Uh, how, what's the opposing side? How many numbers do they have? And so they look at that. So if all of a sudden we make our voice heard reasonably, um, right. we can we can make a huge difference. So, I mean, again, I want to encourage everyone that you need to be a member of something. Whatever you want. I do too. And, and, you know, and it's not a massive lifetime commitment. We do it because we choose to do yeah, that. We love it. Yeah. But Jeff Barnes, who just, um, he just served his uh, last year for DU uh, state chair of Georgia. He had, he has just such precious leadership skills and he's not necessarily a loud mouth type A personality like yeah. you and I are. <laughs> <laughs> And, and he taught me something that was just so smart. And it's like, you know, just the power of one. Like if you just ask one hour of multiple people instead of asking them for a seasonal massive commitment, yeah, you actually get more done. You, you do. know, because people are so, they want to help, but they can't turn their life upside down to help. And so yeah. I just loved that because, I, you know me, I'm like, man, how many people can we get caravanning across the country this year? Yeah, like, right. I don't want to leave opening day and I don't want to end till it's over. And I don't want to come back until the last day. Yeah. I know. But not everybody can do that. And so, no. um, you know, it's like, okay, well then I mass messaged all my friends, where can you meet me? And this is the route, you know? Yeah. And, it, yeah. and it's just great to keep people involved and encourage each other to not lose sight of that big goal. And the big goal is a lasting tradition of the outdoors. Yes. For all of us, yeah. whatever your flavor is, but for yeah. all of us, for our kids, for our grandkids, if they ever come, those kind of things. So, I mean, we do, we want it to, we want to preserve and conserve. And that's, I mean, that's what drives me. That every, I mean, I think when I really look at it, and if I'm honest with myself, everything that I do kind of for that end goal. Well, yeah, because your current job right now is you're a land broker. So it's a really cool thing when you have this much um, information and, and knowledge, and then you go to people and you're able to sell large tracts of land and help them learn what's available to them through these programs and how they can manage this property better. Or you can actually sell a property because you understand the potential of the property. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's true. I think that's probably how I ended up here was just a love of the outdoors. And I mean, it, it, it's what my dad's done for 40 something years. And so it's, it's all part of it. Like I've told you a thousand times, Hey, everything builds upon the last thing you did. So you're in the middle of something right now and maybe it's not going the best or maybe it's going great. Well, it's going to change. And when it does, you've got to, you got a choice. You can look at it as it was a good thing or mm -hmm. a bad thing. And if you look at it that, Hey, it might not have turned out the way I wanted it to, but I really learned some things from it. What was it Thomas Edison said? There's no failures. Right. And there's not, you know, like I, I felt like I'd taken such a massive 
detour when I went to shooting clays. But if I had not had that time with Demas and built my shooting skills, yeah. built my mental management the, you know, to the level that I have, there's no way that I would have been a competitor and really got to achieve the goals in tournament hunting that I wanted to. And I wouldn't have the experience and the knowledge that I have now because when I first started, this was my goal. I wanted an Upland Lifestyle brand. I wanted to help people have a, a path to live this lifestyle and encouragement and, and to be a part of it. You know, I, yeah. I personally can't know every single person that may listen to this podcast or may follow me on Instagram, but I want to be a part of making their life richer. Right. right. Yes. And, you know, and especially like with the dogs and everything, I didn't know anything about a bird dog when I got a bird dog, not one thing, but Most people I, don't, you know, I made so many mistakes and, um, that journey has been so celebrated. And so you've told me that time and time and time again, but I never thought that I would finally make that turn to say, holy smokes, I've got all American Upland on the ground. Like it actually has a face. It has a logo. Now I have a yep. podcast and you know, I bought podcast equipment and was like, I don't know what the heck I'm even doing with this. I'm not even qualified and I can't find anybody. I'm selling this junk. So I sold it. And here I am, you know, with amazing, people supporting me and wanting to come on and wanting to be a part of it. And so it's like, holy smokes, we built this snowball and it's rolling. Yeah. You just hang and on now. You that's know. the thing. Yeah. It's, and, and enjoy the ride. Yeah. Enjoy bumps, the limbs that get in your snowball, everything else, just enjoy them all because it all, it all makes you who you are. And, and, and you, you're, you were a lot alike. You just like when things happen, I hate to be cliche-ish, but it's the old thing. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Mm -hmm. um, and, and there's a lot of truth to that. You, you learn to that you can put up with a whole lot. You can learn to just smile and let stuff roll off your back. And you realize that you don't have to answer every person that makes some idiotic post on your um, statement. <laughs> you can just I wish, go. <laughs> I don't know if the, the posts don't bother me. It's the people in person. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, this has not been easy. I look no. back and I say, there's no way in Hades that I could have d done this again. There's no way that I would have gotten away with some of this stuff. There's no way if I would have known the tears that I would have shed over so yeah. many um, disappointments that were just heart crushing or the life decisions that I had to make to say, you know, what, is, what do I want now for 10 years? Because, um, I was mentoring a an 11 year old earlier today and she said that she had a life goal of playing college um college ball and so i was like okay well we're gonna we're gonna start on that tonight like i'm gonna make sure that you have your vision board we're gonna write your motto down like we're gonna make sure that your mind stays right because there's gonna be more days than not that you just don't want to go practice, but you can't skip out yes. now because what you do now matters for that. And so we were having this talk and I thought, oh my God, I've really turned into Demas talking to me <laughs> and all the things that I've heard, because there were so many times where I'm like, I'm just going to go get me a nine to five and I'm just going to hunt when I want to, because right. this is hard. Like yeah. it looks great because that's the part that we show you. Like, of course I want to celebrate the big parts, you know, I don't want to remember the the struggle necessarily and how bad it hurt to get to that point. Yeah. So, um, so tonight we're making vision boards and, and I was telling her that my first interview I had to, you know, to come on with, with a company in the industry, I was told to bring a resume and a goal, um, a goal list, a two year and a five year goal. 
And within a year and a half, I had conquered everything on that five-year list. In a year and a half. And it's only because I applied myself, I never said no, and I protected myself from negativity. Because it's coming. But you got to learn how to deal with that, you know. And then, so we were having this long conversation. And I was almost preaching to myself earlier today. Thinking, oh my God, I'm coming here with Schaefer to talk about this struggle. Nobody knows about the struggle, but you know, you and Demas are the only ones that really know um, <laughs> those super highs and those really, really lows. And I finally <laughs> figured out how to stay kind of in the middle. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You know, and so <laughs> that's that's life. Who? Yeah, I mean, like I just never thought that my hunting career and finding my way through this industry would have impacted so much. Mm-hmm. Well, just think think about about it, you know, think about it like this, though. Think about what's ahead, what your what your capability and to impact people is going to be. And that's one of the things that drives me. It's like, okay, we've been doing this, um, you know, pheasants and quail. When we started this capital campaign, I can remember sitting around the conference room table and having discussions. People are like, Man, he's you know, crazy. So we're gonna have to we're gonna have to ask people for a life member a thousand dollars. People are like, oh my god! And I'm thinking, you know how many life members we have to get to get to five hundred million dollars? Well, now we need more than that. The crazy thing is now everybody involved, most of them won't even. I mean, look, everything. The thirty five dollar membership is incredibly valuable, but these guys now are all like, hey. Um, you have the capacity to give uh, $5 million over five years. So we need to get you signed up to give that money to us. I mean, they ask now, but the thing of it is like, okay, you start here and you're thinking a thousand dollar membership and I'm going to impact a few people. Now it's, I'm asking for a million or 2 million or 5 million and how broad that impact is. And it's the Mm -hmm. same for all of us. We just have to look and say, just like you are, okay. You had your kids and your mom and dad. That was your, that was your sphere of impact. That was it. Now, they're all doing the same thing and you've got your podcast, you've got your line. I mean, you've got all kinds of things going. So just think about a year from now, five years from now, where you could be with this if you continue that hard work. Well, and you know that I've always surrounded myself in a guy group because there's not too many chicks that want to drive a big truck and trailer and all these dogs and do all this nasty, dirty work all the time. (laughs) So I, I never, I really had a hard time visualizing me being an impact for women. And, and I would do those ladies events and I enjoyed it, but it wasn't like I ever said, okay, well, I'm going to build a brand that is just for women. And so I have made through on like through the internet, a very dear friend, um, in Montana, who was a rancher wife, you know, not a hunter. And she and I motivate each other all the time. And I recently have just made a really good friend from an equestrian interior designer out of LA because they're like, your posts like are so inspiring. There's a lady from, um, was, uh, Washington that just emailed me and she's like, Oh, I've been following you forever. And I saw you're on the West Coast. I would love, you know, to come spend a day with you if it's within a drive and blah, 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 blah. She's a big game hunter. And I'm like, "Ah, I don't remember the last time I pulled triggers on a shot or a rifle, except for to get my granny out in the deer stand for the last time, you know? And it's like, it's amazing when, um, to see that outreach because I'm not in it to really make sure that everybody is a hunter. I hope that my life inspires people to be a hunter, but I really want to inspire people to be them, their best self. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, what does that yeah. look like? And so, of course, I would love for you to love the outdoors as much as I do. But, I mean, I I realized, too, that I've been the only female traveling around since the day that I started. Yes. <laughs> so, well, you know, but but back to the, the thing about your mom and my mom. Okay, you don't have to like it, but you, you Anna B, can influence just as many people. It's like, okay, I don't ever see myself being a hunter, but I can support it. Yeah. I can support it in any number of ways with my kids, my spouse, however it is. So, I mean, there's all that influence there. It's like, yeah, you don't really, <clears throat> I think when we get started, we don't realize the volume of what can happen. And then when all of a sudden you realize it, it's like, it's like everything else. It's it so motivates humbling. you to want to do more because you do yeah. want to influence more people to be out there because you want to make sure this sticks around. Yes, you do. And and it's it it is like a, a lifetime high. Like it it's is. just like it's natural high and it's just so exciting to get text messages from people that I haven't even met that I've built friendships with or whatever, you know. But yeah. yeah. Um one thing that that we do, but I haven't really talked about it, is um I don't buy meat from the grocery store and I haven't in so long because we oh, raise cows. Yeah. And we're hunters. And so the provider life has become part of my life now. It's a, it's a brand. And, and so becoming part of that and, and promoting more of that part of my life where Taterbug cleans every bird that we shoot. Like, I mean, yeah. she, she'll fight you to clean birds. That kid will clean birds all day long. And so when I was tournament hunting, we never even promoted this. We're shooting, or at least we'll say five birds are planted for every um, dog. Every run is going to be 12 minutes or less. We'll say we're running dogs from, from sunrise to sunset. And that is like two, three weekends for, I don't know, five, six months. That is a ton of chucker. Yeah, it is. And let me tell you who's cleaning those birds. The kids are all of us adults that are still wanting to act like kids drag our kids there. And these 10, 12, 13 year olds, well, tater bugs ain't, they're all cleaning birds all day long. And they're like going around to each field, filling up the four-wheeler bucket, going back to their little cleaning stand. And you know what we do? We go pay on top of our entry fees. We go pay these kids to go to yeah. buy the birds back that we just shot in the field. And hey, so I want to get with those kids. That sounds like a good business. And and I never talked about it, but these kids were powerhouses and they had so much fun yeah. cleaning birds. And then um so yeah, the provider life has been. It, oh well, that's a whole. I mean, we could go another it's hour. It's gonna we be two hours awesome. On the kids and that kind of thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, just to see yeah. where that goes and oh, yeah. and how I use that as part of my story because it's nothing that I've ever really talked about. I've loved the dogs and I've loved shooting, but the fact is, is that I eat every single thing we shoot. Yeah, yeah, I do too. I supply a lot of other people with things. Yeah. I mean, they love it. True. So, I mean, between my fishing and hunting season's not in, I just move from one to the other and keep it going. So, and uh, yeah, no, that, and that's, that's a good thing. And, and, and again, there again, there's one more thing that exposes people to, how'd you get this? Well, we did, I want to go with you sometime. All right, come on, you know? Yeah, but, because yeah. I saw, um, what's his name? Shaw, the, the chef. Hank. Hank shop with you at my yep. first PF. We went and yep. um and I got the cookbook then. And so I just I don't know, I just never really promoted that part of the things that we do, but you've inspired so many people and you've done so much. I still know there's massive holes in your story that we didn't <laughs> touch on today. 
But I just thought that there's so many people that are listening to this that would like to celebrate you. And then there are people that are going to be motivated by the things that you've done and say, you know, I have similar skills or I want a reputation like that. So yeah, I just wanted to have you on and I appreciate everything you've done for me. Thank you. I'd be glad to, I would do it all over again. Highs and lows, everything in between. Yeah, (laughs) It's been a fun ride. It really has been. Well, I think it's a thing though, Anna. It's like anything else in life. You meet people of a kindred spirit. You just love doing things with them. You love helping and you want, you just, you you want everybody to be successful and have a great time. And, you know, it's so I, I, you know, I don't comment a whole lot on social media and things, but I'm always looking, I'm always checking up. What's the latest? Where is she right now? What's going on? And um, when we have our catch up on our phone calls and stuff, that always makes my day. So Me too. Um, Me I couldn't too. be, I couldn't be more happy for you and proud of you well, and your kids. I love, I love those kids too. And you know, I do. It's like, they're mine if you're not around. Yep. And I so. appreciate that because you've literally been there from us not knowing what to do. We just, we discovered this world and we loved it and we, wanted to maximize every opportunity that it offered. So yeah, and you have, and you're going to do even more. I can't wait to see where you go and all the thousands of people you influence. So oh, keep well, grinding. And I love everybody at PFQF. It, it's been great to catch up about that and just relive some of those fun memories. That was really fun. Yeah. You need to get, uh, you need to get rich and chat on that. be. A I will. I will. I'm going to message them this evening for sure. Sounds great. Anna. Thank you. Steve. You're welcome. Thank you. Good to see awesome. you. I guess that's something you don't understand A ground of soap and a big machine I'll feed us all on the same beliefs Oh, a dollar and a credit card But we got a way of doing things And no Bye.